They're Angry Faithful. This is just to let you know there's more than one way that you can check in on the different types of degree of fuckery we get into. You can go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or just watch us on YouTube or Rumble. Don't forget to like, share, and comment where you can, or just leave five stars on Apple Podcasts. We, we, we thrive on things like absolution from our audience. But see if we can get this steamrolled into something big. We're depending on you. Thank you for watching. Now let us begin. Welcome, Angry Faithful. Today on this episode of Psychos and Sociopaths, uh, we're going to go over something that happened back in the 90s. It was in the 90s, right? Um, Yeah. I mean, he killed a lot, but yeah, it was 94. It you was... guys can hear that crunching. Mothers fro uh, um, iced or frosted uh, animal crackers. Oh, my God. The pink and the white ones with the fucking sprinkles. Uh, so good. Everybody likes the pink. Hey, dude. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer. <sighs> I kind I kind of want to go Jiffy Dahmer only because of the ringer. You know how he got caught, right? No, I, I, he, he I, went out from Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, did it do it? There we go. Yeah, there we go. Or, or even better. Yes, there we go. <laughs> went out for screens i still like the that meme of uh what what well, what's that jeffrey dahmer meme where he can't do takeout or some shit like that i forget i just figured he would never vote democrat because they always leave a bad taste in your mouth the the oh, jokes the, the jokes. political banter oh look at that but anyways, Jeffrey Lionel, Don, uh, Lionel Donner, also known as the Milwaukee Cannibal and Milwaukee, the Milwaukee Monster. Monster. Not to be confused with, confused with the Beast, which is Milwaukee's best. If that's Milwaukee's best, uh, they just need to stop. I never really liked Milwaukee beer. But anyways... Uh, he's a notorious serial killer and sex offender and who committed the murder and dismemberment of 17 men and boys between 1978 and 1991. Uh, Many of his later murders uh, involved necrophilia, cannibalism, and uh, permanently preservation uh, of preservation. body parts. Of body yeah. parts. There we go. Typically all or parts of the skeleton. I guess you can say that because uh, Jeffrey Dahmer is notorious homosexual. I guess he was uh, he was uh, he loved gay so much he wanted to taste every bit of piece and love him. So it's safe to say that he ate ass. Oh yeah, all the time probably. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, this oh is God. where we get banned, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> like, oh no, no, they didn't say the f word before five minutes. But they talking about eating booty hole. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, oh, oh. Last joke for now. Okay. Maybe he was inspired by the uh, Limp Biscuit album, The Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavored Water. No, because that came after. That's right. It did. Maybe they after. were inspired. Maybe they were inspired them. by yeah. him. Yeah. Fred Durst, my man, what are you doing, bro? <laughs> okay. All right. Enough, enough with the jokes. Now, on this one, we're just going to go because it. They have a long history of details and everything uh, of his stuff. We're just going to go over his childhood and uh, respectfully. Uh, he was prior service. Why is it you, you noticed a lot of the people that were serial killers were prior service? I mean, he was a medic. Yeah. But, and then we're going to go over the actual uh murders let's see here let me get this started we're gonna go with a childhood first uh Dahmer was born may 21st 1960 in milwaukee uh, uh wisconsin the first of the two sons of uh joycey and uh, annette man i butchered that one it was simple a teletype machine instructor. What is a teletype machine instructor? Electron. Teletype. I um. To send and receive type messages through various communications channel, and both pinpoint and. It's something we don't use anymore. It's more or less like a telegraph type deal. Yeah. Of course, nowadays we got texts. So. Uh, but anyways we're not going to go with the ancestry nobody cares about that unless they're like oh he's part of my culture or they might just go oh he's part of my culture Uh, let's go into the adolescence we'll just get in the nitty gritty and so Excuse me, hold on. From his freshman year at Revere High School, Dahmer was seen as an outcast. By the age of 14, he had begun drinking beer and hard alcohol in daylight hours, frequently concealing his liquor inside the jacket he wore to school. He's known to have mentioned to one classmate who inquired why he was drinking scotch in the morning history class that the alcohol he consumed was, quote, my medicine. Although largely uncommunicative, uh, in his freshman year, Dahmer was seen by staff as polite and highly intelligent, but with average grades. He was a keen tennis player and played briefly at the high school in the high school band. When he reached puberty, Dahmer discovered he was gay. He did not tell his parents. In his early teens, he had a brief relationship with another teenage boy, although they had never had intercourse. By Dahmer's later admission, he began fantasizing about dominating and controlling a complete, sub, completely submissive male partner in his early to mid-teens, and his masturbatory uh, fantasies gradually evolved into his focusing upon the chests and torsos of the focus of his fantasies. These fantasies gradually became intertwined with dissection. When he was about 16, Dahmer 
conceived a fantasy of rendering unconscious a particular male jogger he found attractive, and then making sexual use of his body. On one occasion, Dahmer concealed himself in bushes with a baseball bat to lie in wait for this man. However, he did not pass by on that particular day. Dahmer later said that this was his first attempt to attack someone. Despite being regarded as a loner and an oddball among his peers at RHS, Dahmer became something of a class clown who often staged pranks, which became known as doing a Dahmer. <laughs> it just lends itself to <laughs> other, yeah. Um, these included bleeding and simulating epileptic seizures or cerebral palsy at school and local stores. That's dark. Mm-hmm. By 1977, Dahmer's grades had declined. His parents hired a private tutor with limited success. The same year, in an attempt to save their marriage, his parents attended counseling sessions. They continued to quarrel frequently. When Lionel discovered Joyce had engaged in a brief affair in September 77, they both decided to divorce, telling their sons that they wished to do so amicably. Lionel moved out of the house in early 1978, temporarily residing in a motel on North Cleveland, uh, Massallon Road. In May of 78, Elmer graduated from high school. A few weeks before his graduation, one of his teachers observed Elmer sitting too close to the school parking lot drinking several cans of beer. And when the teacher threatened to report the matter, Elmer informed him that he was experiencing a lot of problems at home and that the school guidance counselor was aware of them. That spring, Joyce and David moved out of the family home to live with relatives in Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. Dahmer had just turned 18 and remained in the family home. Dahmer's parents' divorce was finalized on July 24, 1978. Joyce, well, she was awarded custody of her younger son and alimony payments. Now, on the first murder... Uh, Dahmer committed his first murder in 1978, three weeks after his graduation on uh, June 18th. Dahmer picked up a hitchhiker named Steve Mark Hicks, who was almost 19. Dahmer lured the youth to his house in pretext of drinking. Hicks, who had been hiking to a rock concert at Chickapa Lake Park a while. Chippewa. Chippewa? Is it Chippewa? Okay. It is Chippewa. <clears throat> Agreed to accompany Dahmer to his house upon the promise of a few beers. With Dahmer as uh, he had uh, the house to himself, according to Dahmer, the sight of the bare-chested Hicks standing at the roadside stirred his sexual feelings. Although when Hicks began talking about girls. He knew any sexual passes he made would be rebuttled. Uh, Buffled? Rebutted. Rebutted? Mm-hmm. Rebuffed. Rebuffed, I'm sorry. Yeah. I was yeah. thinking rebuttal. See, this is the part where I kind of checked out a little bit because I'm reading ahead. Yeah. After several hours of talking, drinking, and listening to music, Hicks wanted to leave and i didn't want him to Dahmer uh bludgeon hicks with a 10 pound dumbbell he later started he struck hicks twice from behind with the dumbbell as hicks sat upon a chair when hicks fell unconscious Dahmer uh strangled him with uh to death with a bar of a of a dumbbell when 
strip uh, stripped the clothes from Hicks' body before exploring his chest with his hands, then masturbating as he stood above the corpse. The following day, Duffin just uh, dissected Hicks' body in his basement. He later buried the remains in a shallow grave in the backyard before several weeks later unearthing the remains and paring the flesh from the bones he discovered the flesh in he dissolved the flesh in acid acid before flushing the solution down the toilet he crushed the bones with a sledgehammer and scattered them in the woodlands behind his family's home jesus that's 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 proper man that yeah that's wow wow okay so college and army service well six weeks after the murder of hicks palmer's father and his fiance returned to his home where they discovered jeffrey living alone at the house that august palmer enrolled at ohio state university the ohio state university hoping to major in business Dahmer's sole term at OSU was completely unproductive, largely because of his persistent alcohol abuse throughout the majority of the term. He received failing grades in introduction to anthropology, classical civilizations, and administrative science. The only course that Dahmer was successful at was riflery, having received a B-minus grade. His overall GPA was .45. On one occasion... Lionel paid a surprise visit to his son only to find his room room strewn with empty liquor bottles. Despite his father having paid in advance for the second term, Dahmer dropped out of OSU after just three months. In January of 1979, on his father's urging, Dahmer enlisted in the United States Army, where he trained as a medical specialist at Fort Sam Houston in San Antonio, Texas. On July 13th of 1979, he was deployed to Bombholder, West Germany, where he served as a combat medic in 2nd Battalion, 68th Armored Regiment, 8th Infantry Division. According to published reports, in Dahmer's first year of service, he was an average or slightly above average soldier. Owing to Dahmer's alcohol abuse, his performance deteriorated, and in March of 81, he was deemed unsuitable for military service and was later discharged from the Army. He received an honorable discharge, as his superiors did not believe that any problems Dahmer had or Dahmer had in the army would be applicable to civilian life. Wow, they dropped the ball. Mm-hmm. On March 24th of 81, Dahmer was sent to Fort Jackson, South Carolina for debriefing and provided a plane ticket to travel anywhere in the country. And not so much now. Dahmer later told police he felt he could not return home to face his father, so he opted to travel to Miami Beach, Florida because, or both because he was tired of the cold and in an attempt to live by his own means. In Florida, Dahmer found employment at a delicatessen and rented a room in a nearby motel. Dahmer spent most of his salary on alcohol and was soon evicted from the motel for non-payment. He initially spent his evenings on the beach as he continued to work at the sandwich shop until phoning his father and asking to return to Ohio in September of the same year. After returning to Ohio, Dahmer initially resided with his father and stepmother and insisted on being delegated notorious chores to occupy his time while he would look for work. He continued to drink heavily and 
two weeks after his return, Dahmer was arrested for uh, drinking, uh, drunk and disorderly conduct. You know, throughout this whole thing, the way I'm looking at it, mm-hmm. and you're wearing my fucking glasses. Uh, yeah, they're just not my style, man. I just, I, I need the blades. That's that's all there is to it. I do need to be clean, though. Uh, do you think that? Uh, yeah, no, so. Uh, do you think his alcoholism stripped his inhibitions to start like killing and everything like that? Um. No, I don't think it was so much the alcohol lowered his inhibitions. I mean, we all know that alcohol tends to do that, you know, among other things like, I can fight that guy. No, you fucking can't. Um, Because if you remember, it said earlier that he would start, like, beating his meat and he would start fantasizing and his fantasies got more and more depraved. They got more detailed and started eventually to dissection. Um, I think at that point he had, I don't want to say built up the nerve, but more along the lines of maybe finally got, finally got over, I get, well, cause you know, I'm sure that it took having, um, you know, combat medic training. For him to get over his initial squeamishness. I don't think he had squeamishness after his first kill. If well, you think about it. True. Very true. I mean, he, you cr- know what, that he did everything. Point. He did everything you're supposed to do to get rid of a body other than the uh, feeding the pigs. I mean, he <clears throat> honestly think Dahmer was one of those so intelligent people. He was crazy. Mm-hmm. He knew all the right stuff to do and everything like that. But he he. He basically stopped himself with the alcoholism and everything. If he didn't do the alcohol, I mean, he'd still be dangerous, but yeah. he would be a little bit more intelligent and everything. Maybe didn't go out for Chinese food. <laughs> yeah. Initially, Dahmer's living in Rajan with his grandmother. Uh, were harm harmless is that hold on harmonious he accompanied her to church willingly un uh chores actively sought work and abided by most of her house rules although he did continue to drink and smoke uh, this new influence in his life brought uh, results, and in early 1982, Dahmer found uh, employment as a phlebologist uh, uh, at Milwaukee uh, Blood Plasma Center. He held this phlebomist. Mm-hmm. He held this job for a total of ten months before. Uh, being laid off, Dahmer remained unemployed for over two years, during which he lived up upon uh, whatever money his grandmother gave him. Shortly before losing his job, Dahmer was arrested for indecent exposure on August 7th, 1982, Wisconsin State Fair Park. He was 
absurd to expose himself on the south side of the Coliseum in which 25 people were present, including women and children, for this incident. He was convicted and fined $50 plus court cost. In January 1985, Donald was hired as a mixer at a Milwaukee uh, chocolate factory. Ambrosia Chocolate Factory. Oh, Ambrosia Chocolate Factory, where he worked 11 p.m. to 6 a.m., six nights per week with Saturday evenings off. Shortly after Dahmer found his employment, an uh, incident occurred in which he was proposed proposed um wait hold on propositioned oh, pro- yeah yeah proposition by another ma- you know what's sad is we're both intelligent people and we can't figure that fuck well out. i'm just trying to figure out where you're at because like i said i'm reading ahead okay uh propositioned by another man while sitting reading in the west Ali's public library. The stranger threw Dahmer a note offering to form. He offered him head upon him. He he wanted a. The word you're looking for is fellatio. I hate that word. I mean, it's a big fancy word for freaking giving out head. It's like cunnilingus. Yeah. You know, although Dahmer did not. James Bond came into the office and he was like, you know, Monty Penny goes, Oh, James, you're such a cunning linguist. And he's like, Ash, you should see my Dutch. <laughs> uh, although Dahmer did not respond to his pro- uh, proposition, the incident stirred in his mind the fantasies of controlling and dominate, uh, dominance he had developed as a teenager. He began to uh, familiarize himself with Milwaukee's gay bars gay bathhouses and bookstores he was also known to have stolen a man uh male mannequin from a store how can you tell well which he uh briefly used a sexual stimulations until his grandmother discovered the item and stowed it in a closet the man and uh demanded that he discard it by like, uh, late 1985, Dahmer began to regularly frequent the bathhouse in which he later described as being a relaxing place. But during his sexual encounters, he became frustrated at his partners moving during the act. Wow. Wow, I just caught that. That's fucked off. He literally wanted dead lays. Mm-hmm. Following his arrest, he stated, I trained myself to view people as objects of pleasure instead of as people. For this reason, be, uh, beginning in June 1986, he administrated sleeping pills to his park and gave him liquor laced with sedatives. He then waited for his partner to fall asleep before him varying sexual acts to maintain an adequate supply of medicines. Dahmer informed doctors he uh, worked nights and reg- uh, required tablets to adjust his body to work unsuitable, unshowable hours. After approximately 12 uh, such as the bathhouse administration 
revolt Dahmer's uh, membership and he began to use hotel rooms to continue his practice. Shortly after his uh, membership of the bathhouse was revoked, Dahmer read a report in a newspaper regarding the upcoming funeral of 18-year-old man. He conceived the idea of stealing the freshly inert corpse taking it home. According to Dahmer, he attempted to dig up the coffin from the ground, but found the soil too hard. God damn. Wow. Wow. Well, okay. Funny thing on this one was uh, I just recently watched a TikTok video about how uh, like morticians mm-hmm. That people like men that are homophobic want to. They don't like gay stuff. I hate to say homophobia because that would be that you have a fear of homosexuals. Butt stuff. Butt stuff. Anyways, they this lady showed because she was mortician. Because after you're involved in everything, they put this like butt plug up your ass to get. Uh, so the fluids don't run out. Cremate me. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm already on the cremation list. Uh, on September 8th, 1986, Domino was arrested upon charge of lewd and lascivious luxuri- uh, behavior for masturbating, uh, for masturbating the presence. Let's say, yeah, anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, for masturbating in the presence of a 12 year old boy as he stood close to the Kinnikick uh, River, he initially claimed he was uh, merely urinating, unaware that there was uh, there were witnesses, but soon admitted that the offense, the charge, the charge was charged to disorderly conduct on March 10th, 1987. Dahmer was sentenced to one year in probation with uh, additional instructions. He couldn't, uh, he had to go undergo counseling. And the word is pronounced lascivious, lascivious behavior. Lascivious behavior. So on November 20th of 1987, way to fuck up my birthday there, Jeffrey. Um, At the time, residing with his grandmother in West Dallas, encountered a 25 year old man from. Ontagon, Michigan, Steve Tumoy, at a bar and persuaded him to return to the Ambassador Hotel in Milwaukee where Dahmer had rented a room for the evening. According to Dahmer, he had no intention of murdering Tumoy, but rather intended to simply drug him and lie beside him as he explored his body. The following morning, however, Dahmer woke, awoke to find Tumoy lying beneath him on the bed, his chest crushed in and black and blue with bruises. Blood was also seeping from the corner of his mouth, and Dahmer's fists and one forearm were extensively bruised. Dahmer stated that he had no memory of having killed Tomoy, and later informed investigators that he could not believe that this had happened. To dispose dispose of Tomoy's body, Dahmer purchased a large-scale suitcase in which he transported the body to his grandmother's residence. There, one week later, he severed the head, arms, and legs from the torso. Then he filleted the bones from the body before cutting the flesh into pieces small enough to handle. Dahmer then placed the flesh inside plastic garbage bags. 
He wrapped the bones inside of a sheet and pounded them into splinters with a sledgehammer. The entire dismemberment process took Dahmer approximately two hours to complete, and he disposed of all of Tomoy's remains, excluding the severed head, in the trash. For a total of two weeks following Tomoy's murder, Dahmer retained the victim's head wrapped in a blanket. After two weeks, Dahmer boiled the head in a mixture of Soilex, which is an alkali-based industrial detergent, and bleach in an effort to retain the skull, which he then used as stimulus for masturbation. Eventually, the skull was rendered too brittle by this bleaching process, so Dahmer pulverized and disposed of it. Jesus. Following the murder of Tomoy, Dahmer began actively seeking victims, most of whom he encountered in close uh, encountered in or close to gay bars and whom he typically lured to his grandmother's home. He would drug his victim with trizolam or uh, temezepam before shortly or before or shortly after engaging in sexual activity with them. Once he had rendered his victim unconscious with sleeping pills, he killed them by strangulation. Two months after the Tamoy murder, Dahmer encountered a 14-year-old Native American male prostitute named, named James... Duxator. Dom, uh, Dahmer lured the youth to his home with an offer of $50 to pose for nude pictures. At Dahmer's West Dallas res residence, the pair engaged in sexual activity before Dahmer drugged Duxator with and strangled him on the floor of the cellar. Dahmer left the body in the cellar for one week before dismembering it in much the same manner as he had with Tamoy. He placed all of Duxator's remains, in, excluding the skull in the trash. The skull was boiled and cleansed and bleached before Dahmer noted that he had been rendered too that it had been too rendered too brittle by this process. He pulverized the skull two weeks later. On March twenty fourth of eighty eight, Dahmer met a twenty two year old bisexual man named Richard Guerrero outside a game bar called the Phoenix. Dahmer lured Guerrero to his grandmother's residence, although the incentive on this occasion was. $50 to simply spend the remainder of the night with him. He then drugged Guerrero with sleeping pills and strangled him with a leather strap, with Dahmer performing oral sex upon the corpse. Dahmer dismembered Guerrero's body within 24 hours of murdering him, again disposing of the remains in the trash and retaining the skull before pulverizing it several months later. It's getting better. On, Octo on uh, April 23rd, Dahmer lured another young man to his house. However, after giving the victim a drugged coffee, both he and the intended victim heard Dahmer's grandmother call. Is that you, Jeff? Although Dahmer replied in a manner that led his grandmother to believe he was alone, she did observe that Dahmer was not alone. Because of this, Dahmer opted not to kill this particular victim, instead waiting until he had become unconscious before taking him to the county general hospital. In September of 1988, Dahmer's grandmother asked him to move out, largely because of his drinking, his habits of uh, bringing young men to her house late at night, and <clears throat> sorry, foul smells occasionally uh, mending from the uh, both the basement and the garage. Dahmer found one uh, bathroom apartment at 808 North 24th Street and moved into the new residence on uh, September 25th. Two days later, he was arrested for uh, drugging and sexually following a 13-year-old boy whom he had lured to his home on the pretext of posing nude for fo uh, photographs. Dahmer's father hired an attorney named 
Gerald Boyd Boyle to Devena's son. Uh, at Boyle's request, Dahmer underwent a series of psychological evaluation prior to his upcoming court hearing. These evaluations uh, revealed Dahmer horribly deep feelings of alienation. A second evaluation two months later revealed Dahmer to be an impulsive uh, individual, uh, suspicious of others, and dis made by his lack of accomplishment in life. His uh, probation officer would also ref, uh, ref, re reference a 1987 diagnosis of Dahmer suffering from schizoid personal disorder. That is so schizoid personality disorder. Yeah, I thought it would be schizo. My brain keeps on wanting to say it's, it's, it's schizoid, but schizophrenia, schizophrenic. I, 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 they're all derived from the same root word, I think. So okay, you're not too far off. Uh, for presentation to the court on January 30th, 1989, uh, Dahmer pleaded guilty to the charge uh, charges of second degree uh, sexual assault and of enticing a child for immoral purposes. Sentencing for the assault was suspended until May. On March 20th, Dauphin com uh, commenced a 10-day Easter abs absence from work during which he moved back into his grandmother's home. Two months after his conviction and two months prior to his sentencing for the sexual assault, Dahmer murdered his fifth victim, a mixed-race 24-year-old aspiring model named Anthony Sears, whom Dahmer met at a gay bar in, 19, uh, in March 25, 1989. According to Dahmer, his uh, particular occasion, at this particular occasion, he was not looking uh, to commit a crime. However, shortly before closing time that evening, Sears just started talking to me. Dahmer lured Sears to his grandmother's home where the pair engaged in oral sex before Dahmer drugged and strangled Sears. Following morning, Dahmer placed the corpse in his mother's bathtub where he decapitated the body before attempting to flay the corpse. He then stripped the flesh from the body and pulverized the bones which he again disposed of in the trash. According to Dahmer, he found Sears especially attractive, and Sears was the first victim from whom he permanently retained the bo uh, any body parts. He preserves uh, Sears's head and genitalia in acetone and stored them in a wooden box, which he later placed uh, in his work locker. locker. When he moved to a new address the following year, he took the remains there. On May 23, 1989, Dahmer was sentenced to five years probation and one year in the House of Corrections with work release permit in order, uh, in order that he could uh, able to keep his job. He was also required, uh, required to register as a sex offender. Two months before his scheduled release from the work camp, Dahmer was 
paroled from his, this regime. His five-year probation imposed in 1989 began at this uh, point. On release, Dahmer temporarily moved back with his grandmother's uh, home in West Alleys before, in May 1990, moving to Oxford Apartments, located North 25th Street in Milwaukee. Although located in a high crime area, the apartment was close to the uh, to his, close to his workplace, and was furnished and three hundred dollars per month, in, uh, including of all bills, extending electricity, was economic. All right. So on May fourteenth of nineteen ninety, Dahmer moved out of his grandmother's house and into nine twenty four North twenty fifth Street, apartment two thirteen, taking Sears' mummified head and genitals with him. Within one week of moving into his new apartment, Dahmer had killed his sixth victim, Raymond Smith. Smith was a 20 or 32-year-old male prostitute who Dahmer lured to apartment 213 with the promise of $50 for sex. Inside the apartment, <clears throat> he gave Smith a drink laced with seven sleeping pills, then manually strangled him. The following day, Dahmer purchased a Polaroid camera, which he took several pictures of Smith's body in suggestive positions before dismembering him in the bathroom. He boiled the legs, arms, and pelvis in a steel kettle with Soilex, which allowed him to then rinse the bones in the sink. Dahmer dissolved the remainder of Smith's skeleton, including excluding the skull, in a container filled with acid. He later spray-painted Smith's skull, which he placed alongside the skull of Sears upon a black towel inside a metal filing cabinet. Approximately one week later, after the murder of Smith or on or about May 27th, Dahmer lured another man, young man, to his apartment. On this occasion, however, Dahmer himself accidentally consumed the drink laden with sedatives intended for consumption by his guest. And when he awoke the following day, he discovered his intended victim had stolen several items of his clothing and $300 and a watch. Dahmer never reported this incident to the police, although on May 29th he divulged his, to his pro- probation officer that he had been robbed. You know, of- <laughs> I got I got I to say, that's that's freaking hilarious because, you know, you know, those uh, the, those TikTok videos is like my first day as a, a assassin. They pour the stuff, they stir it and they lick their fang- uh, lick their fingers after they stir it with their fingers and they just drop yeah. dead. That just reminds me of that. Right. It's so weird. Now, in June of 90, Dahmer lured a 27 year old acquaintance named Edward Smith to his apartment. He drugged and strangled Smith. On this occasion, rather than immediately acidifying the skeleton or repeating previous processes of bleaching, which had rendered previous victims' skulls brittle, Dahmer placed Smith's skeleton in his his freezer for several months in hope that it, it would retain moisture. Freezing the skeleton did not remove moisture, and the skeleton of his victim would be acidified several months later. Dahmer accidentally destroyed the skull when he placed it in the oven to dry, a process that caused the skull to explode. Dahmer himself was later to inform in police he felt rotten about Smith's murder as he had been unable to retain any parts of his body. Less than three months later, after the murder of Smith, Dahmer encountered a 22-year-old Chicago native, Ernest Miller, outside a bookstore on the corner of North 27th. Miller agreed to accompany Dahmer to his apartment for $50 and further agreed to allow him to listen to his heart and stomach. When Dahmer attempted to perform oral sex upon Miller, he was informed, that'll cost you extra. 
whereupon Dahmer gave him or gave his intended victim a drink laced with two sleeping pills. On, a, on, on this, this occasion, oh, sorry. <clears throat> on, this occasion uh, on this occasion, Dahmer. Go ahead. <laughs> sorry. Dahmer had only two sleeping pills to give his victim. <clears throat> Therefore, he, uh, he killed Miller uh, by slashing his carotid artery with several carotid, carotid artery mm-hmm. with the same knife he used to dissect his victim's body. Miller uh, bled to death within minutes. Dahmer then posed the new body for various ejection Polaroid uh, uh, photographs before placing it in a bathtub for dismemberment. Dahmer repeatedly kissed and talked to several, the severed head while he was dismembered. God, this guy's so fucked off. While he dismembered the remains of the body. Dahmer wrapped Miller's heart bicep and portion of, of flesh from the legs in a plastic bag, placing them in the fridge for later consumption he boiled the remaining remaining flood you know how can you not stand that smell i mean you're living in an apartment complex and everything yeah how, how can people not like that smell just that smell I mean, the I, I hate to say that I know this, but the it's burning of actual human flesh has a distinct smell to it, and it's just disgusting. Mm-hmm. It blah 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 blah. Dahmer wrapped uh, Miller's heart biceps. Yeah, uh, he boiled the remaining flesh and organs into a jelly-like substance using soylex, which again. And enabled him to rinse off the flesh of the skeleton, which he intended to retain. To preserve the skeleton, Dahmer placed the bones in a light bleach solution for 24 hours before allowing them to dry upon a cloth for one week. The severed head was initially placed in the refrigerator before also being stripped of flesh, then painted and coated with enamel. Three weeks after the murder of Miller, on September 24th, Dahmer encountered a 22-year-old man by the name of David Thomas at the Grand Avenue Mall and persuaded him to return to his apartment for a few drinks. With additional money on offer, he would pose for photographs. In this statement to police after his arrest, Dahmer stated that after giving Thomas a drink laden with sedatives, he did not feel attracted to him, but was afraid to allow him to awake in case he would be angry over having been drugged. Therefore, he strangled and dismembered the body, intentionally retaining no body parts whatsoever. He photographed the the dismemberment process, retained these photographs, which later aided in Thomas's subsequent identification. Following the murder of Thomas, Dahmer did not kill anyone for almost five years. Although on a minimum of five occasions between October 90 and February of 91, he unsuccessfully attempted to lure him into his apartment. He is also known to have regularly complained of feelings of both anxiety and depression to his probation officer throughout 1990 with frequent references to his sexuality, his solitary lifestyle, and financial difficulties. On several occasions, Dahmer is known to have referred to harboring suicidal thoughts. In February 1991, Dahmer observed a 17-year-old named Curtis Strangler. Strotter. Strotter. Standing at a bus uh, stop near Marquette, 
Marquette University. According to Dahmer, he lured uh, Strangler into his apartment with the offer of money, money to propose nude photos. With the added incentive of sexual intercourse, Dahmer drugs. What did you say his name? Strotter. Strotter. Cuffed his hands behind his back, then strangled him to death with a leather strap. He then dismembers uh, Strotter, retaining the used skull, hands, and genitals, and photographing each state of this member process. Less than... Oh, man, you were so wrong. I just got to the picture of the, <laughs> of the aging kid that he killed. Oh, that, he went out for Chinese. Yeah. Uh, by 1991... Fellow residents of Aquapur Apartments had repeatedly complained about the billing manager, Sopa Pricewell, of the foul smell emitting from apartment 213. In addition to the sound of uh, falling objects and the sound of chainsaw. God, he was fucking ballsy if it was a fucking chainsaw. Pricewell did contact Dahmer. Uh, contact Dahmer in response to these complaints on several occasions, although he initially excused the older uh, odors remain uh, emitting from his apartment as being caused by a free freezer breaking, causing the uh, contents to spoil. On later, I hate to tell you this right now, but if a freezer had broken down, the freezers are actually sealed tight where no smell comes out. Until you actually open it. Because they're magnetically sealed. Causing the... Uh, he informed uh, Pricewell that the reason uh, for the resurgence of the odor was that several of his tropical fish had recently died and that he would take care of the matter. On the afternoon of May 26, 1991, Dahmer escorted a 14 year old leo leo now teenager named coneric synthomosphone is that syntha somphone syntha or synthosphone yeah there we go on wisconsin avenue on that's a very bad racist joke to make that we not no do that on this show uh, Wisconsin Avenue, unknown to Dahmer, Sisyphophone, uh, was the young, uh, the younger He's brother of yes man, yeah, uh, or saxophone boy, uh, not saxophone boy, just call him saxophone, okay, saxophone, or saxophone, yeah, saxophone. was the young Sorry brother of the boy he had mol- uh, molested in 1988. God, how, how, how. What's the uh, probability that actually happens? Weird. He approached the young, uh, the youth with an offer of money and to accompany him to the apartment to pose for Polaroid pictures. According to Dahmer, Symphophone was uh, initially reluctant to the proposal before changing his mind and accompanying him to his apartment where the youth posed for two pictures in his underwear before Dahmer drugged him into unconsciousness and performed oral sex on him. On this occasion, Donner drilled a single hole into a uh, sensitive phone 
uh, skull through which he injected hydrochloric hydrochloric acid into i was just amazed that he that's just fucked off into the frontal lobe uh before uh since the phone uh fell on, and, and if you're thinking that this is not how you pronounce it i literally literally used uh uh stephen hawking voice to figure it out and that's how it's pronounced sin the uh fell unconscious Dahmer led the boy into his bedroom where the body of a 30 year old uh 30 year old Tom, uh, tony hugs who Dahmer had killed three days earlier lay naked on the floor according to Dahmer he believed that Sisis's phone saw this body yet did not react to seeing the bloated corpse likely to because of the effects of the sleeping pills he ingested and the hydrochloric acid Dahmer had injected through his skull god man that's wow just oh Man, talk about a person that got what he's uh, had coming. Sisyphone soon became unconscious, whereupon Dahmer drank several beers while lying alongside him before leaving the, his apartment to drink at a bar, then purchase more alcohol. In the early morning hours of May 27th, Dahmer returned towards his apartment, discovered says of the phone sitting naked on the corner of 25th and State, talking in Lao with three distressed women standing near him. Dahmer approached the woman and told them that Sessophone, who he referred to by his alias John Hong, was his friend attempting to lead him back to his apartment by the arm. Three women dissuaded Dahmer, explaining they had phoned 911 upon the arrival of two Milwaukee police officers, John Buckwitz and Joseph Garbish. Dahmer, uh, dismanner, relaxed. He told the officers that Sixophone was 19-year-old boyfriend, that he ha- had drank too much following a quarrel, and that he frequently behaved in a manner of intoxicated. Dahmer added his lover had consumed Jack Daniels whiskey that evening. The three women were extitiated. Exasperated. Exasperated. Sorry. And when one of the trio attempted to uh, indicate one of to one of the officers, both of whom had observed no injuries uh, beyond the scrape. Okay, scrape uh, to sexual knee and believing him to be incoscated that saxophone had uh, blood upon his testicles was bleeding from his rectum and that he had seemingly struggled against Dahmer's attempts to walk him to his apartment prior to the uh, arrival the uh, the officer harshly informed her to butt out shut the hell up 
and to not interfere. Shortly after the revi- uh, revival of the Milwaukee police officers, three members of the uh, Milwaukee Fire Department had arrived at the scene. These individuals also examined synthophones uh, for injuries, provided a yellow blanket for the police officer to cover a sysophone. One of the three believes Sisyphone needed treatment, but the police officer decided, directed the fire department personnel to leave. Fucking hell. God. Oh, man. Some people's kids, I tell. These officers are freaking morons. Yeah. Oh, my God. Shortly thereafter, Officer Richard Portican uh, arrived at the scene. He and Garbage followed by. I'm gonna have to use the Hawking voice. Bowser's act escorted Dahmer and Sisyphone to Dahmer's apartment as Dahmer uh, repeatedly uh, com- commented on a general crime in the neighborhood of his uh, appreciation of the police department. Inside his apartment, and in an effort to verify his claims that he and Sesper were lovers, Dahmer showed the officers the two uh, semi-new Polaroid pictures he had taken of the youth the previous evening. Though Balchkowicz had said he smelled nothing unusual, Garbage later stated he noted a straight scent reminiscing of... Emanating? Emanating. All right, hold on. Let me get back to it. Hold on. Escrement uh, inside the apartment. This art uh, odor yeah, emanated reminiscent from the decomposing body of, excrement, of yeah, yeah, uh, depo- uh, decomposing body of Hughes. Dahmer stated that the investigation uh, investigate this odor. One officer simply peeked his head around the bedroom, but really didn't take a good god. The officer, I wonder if they lost their jobs on this. They're probably placed up for review. Yeah. The officer then left with with a departing remark that Dahmer take good care of Saffron. Saffron. This incident incident was listed by the officers as his most uh, domestic dispute upon the departure of the three officers from his apartment Dahmer again injected oh god hydroxylic acid into Saffron's brain in on the second occasion the injection proved fatal the following day May 28th Dahmer took a day uh, day's leave from work to devote himself to the dismembering of the body and sufferings and hues he retained both of the victim's skull. On June 30th, Dahmer traveled to Chicago where he encountered 28-year-old... Uh, 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 sorry. Kind of throwing off a little bit in my mouth after this. Uh, 20-year-old named Matt Turner at the bus station. Turner accepted Dahmer's offer to travel to Milwaukee for a professional photo shoot at the apartment Dahmer drugged, strangled, and dismembered Turner and placed his head and initial organs in a separate plastic bag in the freezer. 
Turner was not reported missing. Five days later, on July 5th, Dahmer lured 23-year-old Jeremy uh, Winberger from a Chicago bar to his apartment on the promise of spending the weekend with him. He drugged uh, Winberger and and twice injected boiling water through his skull, sending him into a coma from which he died two days later. Good Lord. Okay. On July 15th, Dahmer and Kurt, 24-year-old Oliver Lays, at the corner of 27th and uh, Kilburn. Lace agreed to Dahmer's ruse of posing nude for uh, photography and accompanied him to his apartment where he, uh, where the pair engaged in intense uh, sexual activity before Dahmer drugged Lacey. On this occasion, Dahmer intended to prolong the time he spent with Lacey while alive. After unsuccessfully attempting to render Lacey unconscious with chloroform, he phoned his workplace uh, to request, uh, request a day of absence. This was granted, uh, although the next day he was suspended. After stra- uh, strangling Lacey, Dahmer had sex with his corpse before dismembering him. He placed Lacey's head and heart in the refrigerator and skeleton in the freezer. Four days later, on July 19th, Dahmer received word that he had been fired. Upon receipt of this news, Dahmer lured a 24-year-old Jeffrey Bethoffer, I've butchered that name, Braidoff, Braidoff, to his apartment. Braidoff was strangled and left lying on Dahmer's bed covered in sheet uh, with a sheet for two days on July 21st Dahmer removed the uh, those sheets to find the head covered in maggots whereupon he decapit- decapitated the body cleaned the head and placed it in the refrigerator he later acidified uh, Radoff's torso <laughs> along with those of the two other victims killed by the previous months Okay. <laughs> On July 22nd, 1991, Dahmer approached three men with an offer of $100 to accompany them, him to his apartment to pose for nude photographs, drink beer, and simply keep him company. One of the trio, 32-year-old Tracy Edwards, agreed to accompany him to his apartment. Upon entering Dahmer's apartment, Edwards noticed a foul odor and several boxes of hydrochloric acid on the floor, which Dahmer claimed to use for cleaning bricks. After some minor conversation, Edwards responded to Dahmer's request to turn his head and view his tropical fish, upon where Dahmer placed a handcuff upon his wrist. When Edward asked, What's happening? Dahmer unsuccessfully attempted to cuff his wrists together, then told Edwards to accompany him to the bedroom to pose for nude photos. While inside the bedroom, Edwards noticed nude male posters on the wall and a videotape of The Exorcist Three was playing. He also noted a blue 57-gallon drum in the corner, which, or from which a strong odor emanated. Dahmer 
then brandished a knife and informed Edwards he intended to take nude pictures of him. And in an attempt to appease Dahmer, Edwards unbuttoned his shirt, saying he would have to allow him to do so, or, or he would he would allow him to do so if he would remove the handcuffs and put the knife away. In response to this promise, Dahmer simply turned his attention towards the TV. Edwards observed Dahmer rocking back and forth and chanting before turning his attention back to him. He placed his head on Edwards' chest, listened to his heartbeat, and with the knife pressed against his intended victim, informed Edwards he intended to eat his heart. In continuous attempts to prevent Dahmer from attacking him, Edwards repeated that he was Dahmer's friend and that he was not going to run away. Edwards had decided he was going to either jump from a window or run through the unlocked front door upon the, or upon the next available opportunity. When Edwards next stated that he needed to use the bathroom, he asked if they could, if they could sit with a beer in the living room where there, was, where there was air conditioning. Dahmer consented, and the pair walked to the living room when Edwards exited the bathroom inside the living room. Edwards waited until he observed Dahmer have a momentary lapse of concentration before requesting to use the bathroom again. When Edwards rose from the couch, he noted Dahmer was not holding the handcuffs upon whereupon Edwards punched him in the face, knocking Dahmer off balance, and he ran out the front door. At 11.30 p.m. on July 22nd, Edwards flagged down two Milwaukee police officers, Robert Routh and Rolf, uh, Rolf Mueller, at the corner of North 25th Street. The officers noted Edwards had a handcuff attached to his wrist, upon, whereupon he explained to the officers that a freak had placed the handcuffs upon him and asked if the police could remove them. When the officer's handcuffs keys failed to fit the brand of handcuffs, Edwards agreed to accompany the officers to the apartment where Edwards stated he had spent the previous five hours before escaping. When the officers and Edwards arrived at apartment 213, Dahmer invited the trio inside and acknowledged he had indeed placed the handcuffs upon Edwards, although he offered no explanation as to why he had done so. At this point, Edwards divulged to the officers that Dahmer had also brandished a large knife upon him and this had happened in the bedroom. Dahmer made no comment to this revelation, indicating to one of, his, one of the officers, Mueller, that the key to the handcuffs was in his bedside dresser. As Mueller entered the bedroom, Dahmer attempted to pass Mueller to re, himself to retrieve the key, upon where the second officer present, Routh, informed him to back off. In the bedroom, Mueller noted that there was indeed a large knife beneath the bed, he also saw an open drawer, which, upon closer inspection, contained scores of Polaroid pictures, many of which were human bodies in various stages of dismemberment. Mueller noted the decor indicated that they had been taken in the very apartment in which they were standing. Mueller walked into the living room to, to show them to his partner, uttering the words, These are real. When Dahmer saw that Mueller was holding several of his Polaroids, he fought with the officers in an, in an attempt to resist arrest. The officers quickly overpowered him, cuffed his hands behind his back, and called a second squad car for backup. At this point, Mueller opened the refrigerator to, review, to reveal the freshly severed head of a black male in the bottom shelf. As Dahmer laid pinned on the floor beneath Ralph, 
He turned his head towards the officers and muttered the words, For what I did, I should be dead. A more detailed search of the apartment conducted by the Milwaukee Police's uh, Criminal Investigation Bureau revealed a total of four severed heads in Dahmer's kitchen. A total of seven skulls, some painted, some bleached, were found in Dahmer's bedroom and inside of a closet. In addition, investigators discovered collected blood drippings upon a tray at the bottom of Dahmer, uh, Dahmer's refrigerator, plus two human hearts and a portion of arm muscle each wrapped inside plastic bags upon the shelves. In Dahmer's freezer, investigators discovered an entire torso, plus a bag of human organs and, a fle and flesh stuck to the ice at the bottom. Everywhere else in apartment 213, investigators discovered two entire skeletons, a pair of severed hands, two severed and preserved penises, a mummified scalp, and in the 57-gallon drum, three further dismembered torsos dissolving in the acid solution, a total of 74 Polaroid pictures detailing the dismemberment of Dahmer's uh, victims were found in reference to the recovery of body parts and artifacts at 924 20, North 25th Street. The chief medical examiner later stated, it was more like dismantling someone's museum than an actual crime scene. Well, that's kind of fucked off. Yeah, see, and in and, and, and the picture that they show here where you got the two guys in the hazmat suit mm -hmm. lowering down that 57-gallon drum, I remember seeing that footage on the news when it happened. Yeah, this is the, what's really strange. This was the time frame where it was kind of the first time where it's like popular uh, news of that stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, up until his death, we we heard like, thousands of things about jeffrey dahmer and everything like that that's what's really uh strange about this whole case. yeah a lot of it was like myth a lot of it was semi you know i mean a lot of it was embellishments and there was a lot of facts being put out there but it it it, it kind of mutated over the years you know yeah um, it definitely did i mean yeah. it, it, it even when did the movie come out the ringer <sighs> Oh, don't give me the line, dude. I think it was probably 2005. 2005, yeah. So 10 years after the fact, I mean, they used used it as a running joke. As like, hey, what's your name? It's like Jeffy, Jeffy Dahmer. I was like, whoa, wow. And you still got that joke. Yeah. So it it I mean, even to this day, people, I mean, kids, you talk about like hey you remember jeffrey dahmer dude i mean 20 i, I talked to a like 23 year old kid about jeffrey dahmer he knew about him <laughs> like dude the only reason you probably even remotely remember jeffrey dahmer is because it came on as a, as a as breaking news and it interrupted your snoopy special on tv yeah that's true no i mean people kept on talking about it throughout like a time frame because you also yeah, got to understand mean, when, when this that stuff happened in 91. That I mean, literally, literally happened I mean, like 30 you gotta years ago. You got to remember that this, this, all of this took place. I mean, the 24-hour the news cycle was in its infancy, right? Because you remember uh -huh. you had CNN. Um, they were the ones that really took off with the 24-hour news cycle because, you know, Desert Storm was the same year. 
Yeah, because at the same time frame, at this point in time, everybody had cable TV. Yeah, everybody had cable TV. So, you know, it in. So, I mean, this this was all over the news. It was over the mainstream networks. It was all over CNN. Um, Fox News really wasn't a thing back then. But I mean, everybody was talking about it. You know, Jeffrey Dahmer. I mean, he was, he's a legitimate serial killer in, in, in the modern day. Yeah. And it, it, it just seemed like that news, this, this story had so much, so much leg and it just, it, it just, it was played forever. Yeah. Uh, what we're going to do here, we're going to skip the trial and everything like that because we're just going to go uh, against his death. Is that that's really the interesting thing about this whole thing is uh how he died. Yeah. Um let me take this one. Okay. Um we're gonna start with the imprisonment. So upon sentencing, Dahmer was transferred to the Columbia Correctional Institution for the first year of his incarceration. Dahmer was placed in solitary confinement. Due to concerns for his physical safety, should he come into contact with fellow inmates, would Dahmer's consent after one year in solitary confinement, he was transferred to a less secure unit where he was assigned a two-hour daily work detail cleaning the toilet block. Shortly after completing his lengthy confessions in 91, Dahmer had requested to Detective Murphy he would be given a copy of the Bible. The request was granted, and Dahmer gradually devoted himself to Christianity and became a born-again Christian. On his father's urging, he also read creationist books from the Institute of Creation Research. In May of 94, Dahmer was baptized by Roy Ratcliffe, a minister in the Church of Christ and graduate of the Oklahoma Christian University in the prison whirlpool. Following his baptism, Ratcliffe visited Dahmer on a weekly basis up until November of 94. Dahmer and Ratcliffe regularly regularly discussed the prospect of death, and Dahmer questioned whether he was sinning against God by continuing to live. Referring to his crimes in a 94 interview with Stone Phillips on Dateline NBC, Dahmer had stated, if a person doesn't think that there is a God to be accountable to, then what's the point of trying to modify your behavior to keep it within acceptable ranges? That's how I thought anyway. On July 3rd of 94, a fellow inmate, Alcevedo uh, Dorothy, attempted to slash Dahmer's throat with a razor embedded in a toothbrush as Dahmer sat in the prison chapel after a weekly church service was concluded. Dahmer received superficial wounds and was not seriously hurt by this incident. And according to Dahmer's, or Dahmer's family, he had long been ready to die and accepted any punishment which he might endure in prison. In addition to his father and stepmother maintaining regular contact, Dahmer's mother, Joyce, who also maintained regular contact with her son, although prior to his arrest, the two had not seen each other since Christmas of 1983. Joyce related that in her weekly phone calls, whenever she expressed concerns for her son's physical well-being, Dahmer responded with comments to the effect of, it doesn't matter, Mom. I don't care if something happens to me. And on the morning of November 28th, 1994, Dahmer left his cell to conduct his assigned work detail. Accompanying him were two fellow inmates, Jesse Anderson and Christopher Scarver. The trio were left unsupervised in the showers of the prison gym for approximately 20 minutes. And at approximately 8.10 a.m., Dahmer was discovered on the floor of the bathrooms of the gym, suffering from extreme head wounds. He had been severely bludgeoned about the head and face with a 20-inch metal bar. His head had also been repeatedly struck against the wall in the assault, 
Although Dahmer was still alive and was rushed to a nearby hospital, he was pronounced dead one hour later. Anderson had also been beaten with the same instrument and died two days later from his wounds. Scarver, who was serving a life sentence for a murder committed in 1990, informed authorities he had first attacked Dahmer with the metal bar as he was as Dahmer was cleaning a staff locker room before attacking Anderson as he cleaned an inmate locker room. According to Scarver, Dahmer did not yell or make any noises as he was attacked immediately after attacking both men. Scarver, who was thought to be schizophrenic, returned to his cell and informed a prison guard, God told me to do it. Jesse Anderson and Jeffrey Dahmer are dead. Scarver was adamant he had not planned the attacks in advance, although he later divulged to investigators he had concealed the 20-inch bar used to kill both men in his clothing shortly before the killings. Upon learning of his death, Dahmer's mother, Joyce, responded angrily to the media. Now is everyone happy? Now, now that he's bludgeoned to death, is that good enough for everyone? The response of the families of Dahmer's victims was mixed, although it appears most were pleased with his death. The district attorney who prosecuted Dahmer cautioned against turning Scarver into a folk hero, noting that Dahmer's death was still murder. On May 15, 1995, Scarver was sentenced to two additional terms of life imprisonment for the murders of Dahmer and Anderson. Although Scarver had confessed in 94 to having concealed the weapon used to kill Dahmer and Anderson in his clothing on the morning of the murders in 2015, he publicly stated the murders of Dahmer and Anderson had resulted from a confrontation in which the two men had poked him in the back as the three had begun their assigned work detail. In this renewed, renewed account of events, Scarver claimed that the two had laughed at him when he had turned around in response before Dahmer and Anderson each walked to separate rooms to begin their cleaning duty. With Scarver following Dahmer toward the staff locker room, Scarver alleges that immediately before murdering Dahmer, he had cornered him, presented a newspaper article detailing Dahmer's crimes, and demanded that Dahmer answer whether the account was true. Scarver further alleged that he had been revolted by Dahmer's crimes and that Dahmer had been openly unrepentant and that Dahmer had taunted prison employees and fellow inmates by shaping his prison food into imitations of severed limbs, complete with ketchup and to simulate blood splattering, and that the prison staff, knowing of Scarver's hatred for Dahmer, had deliberately left the two men unsupervised so that he could kill him. Furthermore, Scarver stated that Dahmer was so disliked by fellow inmates that he required a personal escort of at least one guard whenever he was out of his cell to prevent inmates from attacking him. Dahmer had stated in his will that he wished for no services to be conducted and that he wished to be cremated, and in September of 95, Dahmer's body was cremated and his ashes were divided between his parents. On August 5th, 1991, as a uh, nature and, uh, and scale of Dahmer's crimes initially came to light, a candle-lit <clears throat> vigil, vigil. vigil uh, mm-hmm. to celebrate the, uh, and heal, heal the Milwaukee community was attended by more than 400 people present at the uh, vigil were community leaders, gay rights activists, a fam, uh, and family members of several of Dahmer's victims. 
organizers stated the purpose of the vehicle was to enable Milwaukee's to share their feelings of pain and anger over what had happened. The Oxford apartment at 924 North 25th Street where Dahmer had killed 12 of his victims was demolished on November 1992. The site is now a vacant lot. Alternative plans to convert the site into uh, into a memorial garden, a playground, or reconstruct new housing had failed materialized. Dahmer's estate was awarded to the families of 11 of his victims who had sued for damages in 1996. Thomas Jacobson, a lawyer representing eight of the families, announced a planned uh, auction of Dahmer's uh, estate. Although victims' relatives stated the motivation was not greed, the announcement sparked controversy. Uh, controversy. Ah, I can't even say that word. And I know what no, it hold, is. Hold on, hold on. Controversy. Controversy. Okay, yeah. A civil group, Milwaukee Civil Pride, was quickly established in an effort to raise funds to purchase and destroy Dahmer's possession. A group pledged four hundred and seven thousand dollars uh, seven uh, four hundred and seven thousand two hundred and twenty five including a hundred thousand dollars in gifts by Milwaukee's state real uh, Milwaukee real estate developer Joseph Zeber for purchases of Dahmer's estate. Five of the eight families represented uh, by Jacobson agreed to the terms and Dahmer's possessions were subsequently destroyed and uh, buried under this indisclosed Illinois landfill. Lionel Dahmer is retired and now lives with his second wife, Sierra. Both have refused to change their surname and have professed their love for Dahmer in spite of his crime. Parental love is just Weird. The parental love. Okay, so here's the thing. As a dad, I mean, we can, you know, we can be disappointed in our kids. We can be upset with them. But as a parent, knowing that at least at some in some shape, way, or form, or fashion we've failed them in some way. And, and a lot of times parents, I mean, and you know this, man, sometimes we take some of our shortcomings and use that to not necessarily justify the, the shortcomings or the mistakes made by our children, but we use that and we attribute that as part of the reason is what I'm getting at. So, you know, I mean, ultimately, yeah, it's our responsibility as, as as parents to love our kids, regardless as to you know what they've done. We can be disappointed in them, but you never stop loving your kids. Yeah, it's kind of strange because well, I personal experience is like during the trial for Ava's murder, uh, the mother of the son who did the murder was on the stand. She's like, uh, he wouldn't do this, blah blah blah, and she owned like a daycare, which. 
coincidentally doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. See, there's a difference between being, oh, that's my precious angel. That's just ignorance. And that's, that's complete and, and total. Was she, was she said that he, she trusted him so much that she, he could work at her, uh, his, uh, her, uh, daycare, which ended up being like the axe for her daycare center. Yeah. So, you know, again, that's, there's that fine line, you know, between loving our kids unconditionally and putting, putting ourselves, you know, and our livelihood in danger because of the choices made by our children, you know, so it, It's one of those things I hope we never have to fucking face. Yeah, I would never. I, I, yeah, exactly. That's one of those I, things I hope, I hope we hope never, never have, to, have, have to, to make that choice or anything like that. Right. It's just one of those weird fucked up shit. And it seems like the parents were not bad parents. I mean, uh, the father eventually made a uh, book because they're still alive. Uh yeah, it's called Lionel a father published story. a book yeah. and father story donating the portions of the proceeds of the book to the victim's family. Most of the families showed support for Lionel and Sears, although three families successfully sued Lionel, two for using their names in the book without uh, obtaining prior consent, which you always have to do. Yeah. And the third family of Stevens Hicks uh, filming a wrongful death uh, suit against Lionel, Sierra, and former wife. Josie citing yeah, uh, choice, yeah. neg negligence as a cause of the uh, claim. Joyce died. Uh, Joyce Flint died of cancer in uh, November of 2000, uh, 2000. Prior to that, she attempted suicide at least one occasion. Uh, Dahmer's younger brother, David, changed his surname and lives in anonymy. Anonymity, yeah. Anonymity. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, he changed his last name and he dropped off the grid. So, you know, it, and that's the thing, man. Um, that's like Lee Harvey Oswald's brother still lives here in Wichita Falls. Really? Yeah. Um, and I mean, he has letters that were written by his brother to him. Um, and, and he just, you know, I mean, and he's got a lot of, the things that belong to Lee Harvey Oswald. Now, while Lee Harvey was not an angel by any stretch of the imagination, I doubt very seriously that he was the actual assassin for JFK. Now, it was multiple shooters, and every one of the shooters that were involved with the actual killing of the president, they're dead. Long time. I mean, they were killed probably two weeks after the assassination was committed. Yeah. But, you know, it's... Do you know his brother? Um, I want to say his name is John. I can't remember. Let me look it up here real quick. Uh, let me see here. Robert Oswald. Oh, no, he died. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, he died. Uh, Robert Edward Lee Oswald, 
whose brother Lee Harvey Oswald killed. Okay, yeah, whatever. All right. So died Monday, and this was a uh, December of two. Oh, so so he died November of twenty seventeen. He died uh, here in Wichita Falls. He was eighty three. Uh, the obituary made no mention of his infamous brother, except to say that he spent his youth in Louisiana with his brothers Lee and John Pick before joining the Marine Corps in 52 at the age of 18. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I mean, at least at one point, Lee Harvey Oswald's brother still lived here. Um, <coughs> um, so, I mean, he didn't change his name. Um he didn't cash in on the 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 infamous nature of his brother's actions and but i mean he just wanted to be left alone hmm. you know so it you know it, it's just it's one of those things where both the families of the victims and the families of the murderer whether it's a male or a female. Honestly, I think just need to be left alone. I wonder I wonder if Charles Manson's son changed his name. I don't think he did. Yeah, probably not. But, you know, the thing of it is, is that while Charles Manson didn't physically commit any murders on his own, yeah. the guy basically had people do it for him. Which, you know, I guess if you're going to do that kind of a thing, is smart. It's <laughs> just simply due to the fact that, you know, it's, I mean, it's murder by proxy, but I mean, the guy still wasn't right in the head. No, but, I mean, from what, uh, uh, God, what's his name? Machete. The guy that played Machete. Oh, Danny Trejo? Yeah. Uh, what he said is, uh, when he was in jail with him is he just had him like right next to his jail cell to protect him and everything. Cause he actually met him, but he didn't, and not until like the actual murders or anything. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I just think that, you know, if the family wants to come forward or family members of either the victims or family members of the actual murderer want to come forward, fine. If they want to answer questions, they want to try to help educate the, 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 the community or, you know, you know, educate the, the population. Fine. Let them. But be respectful because, you know, even the family members of the, of the murderer they end up becoming victims themselves because through the public court of, uh, of opinion, you know, we, we kind of convict the family all in one lump. I mean, it's why you see these wrongful death suits. And it's like, really, you're going to go after the family of the guy who actually did the killing. Oh, like, Oh, your parental negligence. Like there's no way to prove that. Yeah. I mean, you know, if it seems like he grew up in a good family and everything, he just was fucked off. And it seems like he was fucked off from. And it's not like he had an absentee dad. I mean, he avoided yeah. his dad for a few years after getting out of the army because he didn't want to. He didn't want to face his dad. Yeah. His dad paid for two semester or two, two years or two terms 
at OSU, even though he only went for one. Yeah. His dad paid for his lawyer. Yeah. You know, in that in that uh, second arrest where he finally caught a sex offender charge. You know, so, you know, so it's not like his dad could have done anything better. You know, I mean, this is like he 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 did the best that he could with the circumstances that he had. Um, whether or not he was more, you know, could have been more active, I don't know. I mean, it, it, the guy seemed like he was at least making the attempt to be there. So, you know, I, I, I don't fault the family in this particular case. I really don't. I don't fault the family at all. Um, I mean, the, the grandmother was definitely an active part. Yeah. Uh, albeit she was very ignorant to things going on in her own home. Yeah, which um, it was, man, I just, I don't know if my, my senses are like super heightened and everything like that, but if I, I, I can tell like different smells and everything like that, I guess my. Yeah, there's certain smells and sounds that trigger, you know, and <laughs> burning flesh or, or rotting flesh is, is one of those ones that. uh just elicits... rotting stuff, period. Yeah, it just, it, it just. I don't know, but, you know, I think Jeffrey, the odds that we will see another Jeffrey Dahmer type, at least in our lifetimes, is probably pretty slim. And with the heightened awareness of mental health um, that we have nowadays, it's... I don't know. I mean, they caught that 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 one guy that we did, uh, <clears throat> like, in New York a couple of weeks ago. I mean, Mike the Cop even uh, did it on his uh, show. Where, yeah, well... Where that, that, that guy had been, like... That was his, like, third killing. And this would be his third time going to jail for killing somebody. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's just repeat offender. Somebody who just needs to stay off the streets, but... You know, as far as letting somebody second one. Yeah, well, but that was New York. So, yeah, it's New York. I mean, they're overcrowded as it is. And, you know, that that liberal government up there is just going to run that city into the ground. I mean, the people that live there live there their entire lives and they're keeping it afloat just by sheer stubborn pig headedness. We are New Yorkers. And like, no, shut up. But anyways, um, you know, so. I don't know. It just it's the whole going after family members for things that their child did or their, you know, father, you know, their father, father, mother, or husband, or wife. You know, it's in the absence of a totalitarian, you know, totalitarian uh, lifestyle at home. We're not going to be able to keep tabs on people twenty four hours a day. Yeah, just can't. That's not a, that's no way for a family dynamic to operate. And, you know, so Jeffrey was just, he was displaying issues um, from a very early age. Now, the only shortcoming that I can see is that, you know, his parents didn't insist on getting him help sooner. Um, I mean, his dad even made the attempt to, um, you know, get him off the alcohol. If his dad would have been successful in helping him get off of the alcohol and stay on the wagon, I think that at least 95% of these murders probably could have been prevented. You know, but 
be that as it may. Um, this is one of those unique cases where it's like, you know, you have to take the time to kind of just pay attention to the, you know, to the facts. And, you know, we don't necessarily need to, we didn't, we didn't need to go over the court proceedings, like you said. Yeah. Just simply do the fact that we read everything in detail. And yeah. everything, I mean, they, they put together the chronological timeline and the descriptions of the conversations and things like that based off of testimonies and uh, confessions made by Dahmer himself. So, you know, it, the only thing as far as like the high profile court proceedings like that, that I find interesting are, uh, you know, the, um, you know, the way that the media and, and, uh, reports it. And how the public court of opinion, even back in 92, 93, 94, you know, even how they portrayed, the, you know, how, how they react. Well, yeah, that's one. I mean, coming up from that time. Yeah, because we had I, the oh, Internet. Keep on. Yeah, yeah, we had the Internet. We had AOL. Right. Yeah. But, you know, and you had the chat rooms and things like that. But it was like you didn't have that instantaneous, you know, because everybody was on fucking dial up right back then, you know, yeah. so. And it's like, mom, get off the phone. I'm trying to look at porn, you know? It's yeah. Like, you you know, watch that TV show too? Which one? Breaking In? No. Uh, no. I, dude, <laughs> my, my TV viewing habits here lately, I'm, um, I'm still trying to get caught up on Yellowstone before, uh, the, uh, you know, so like that way I can get caught up. Um, I've got to get caught up on Outlander. Uh, right now I'm getting caught up on Picard. Uh, moon Knight just came out um uh gotta, yeah it's hard to keep up with i gotta watch stuff now i gotta watch the new episode of that just dreadfully executed pilot episode for the halo series um and there's a lot of stuff out there that i'm trying to get caught up on trying to keep caught up on and <clears throat> between work this um the fact that my uh, my wedding is going to get moved up, so I mean we're changing plans. So instead of getting married down there, um, we're gonna we're gonna do it up here. We're gonna have a you know a very small, um, which I needed to talk to you about after we get off camera. Um, but uh, we're gonna have a very small, just kind of basically family um, ceremony. And then um, we're gonna go to McBride's, have a have a private dinner, and then gonna pack my shit, and I'm gonna throw it in a U-Haul truck, you know, kind of a deal, and mm. you know we can go from there. But um, but yeah, and I, I mean, with everything, I mean, because give or take a week and a half to two weeks, maybe two and a half at the most. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I'm starting to realize that I'm like, I've basically got roughly two months left in Wichita Falls. Mm. You know, so I'm like, man, that blows my mind. You know, I mean, we're, we're coming up on the end of March tomorrow. Um, you know, then there's April, May, and then once May's up here, June, you know, and it's like, okay, so 
everything basically kind of got moved up. Um, you know, the weddings potentially moved up an entire month, but, uh, you know, I mean, these are all exciting changes and everything like that. I mean, yeah, there's some nervousness, but it's, it's just, it's not, it's still stressful. It is. It's, it's stressful, but not in the sense that it's like, it's affecting my health or anything like that. Um, but I mean, it's, it's, it's that nervous kind of energy that you get when you're, you know, you don't, I mean, you're, you're, it's that nervousness of beginning something new. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there, there it's, there's all that and you know, it's like between growing up as a Navy brat, being in the military myself, the, the 20, it'll yeah the the 20 years that i've been here in wichita falls is the longest i've been in any one place in my entire life at one time you know so it's because i moved back here uh, what did i say it was like uh toward the end of 2002 mm. okay yeah so you well, know, it's the been, same time frame i've moved back yeah see we wasted all that time not being friends i know right what were we thinking God, i know but uh <laughs> we'd have to inform sponsors at this point hey we're relocating <laughs> we might have 85 subscribers on our youtube channel <laughs> <laughs> but you know it you know I, I i look back and i know that we're jumping off track and we're going to kind of wrap it up here in a minute but yeah um you know i look back at my time here um not only here on the show with you but just my time here in wichita falls in general um yeah, I've got my disagreements and I've got my mis you know, my misgivings about, you know, the way that the county and the city are ran. Um, you know, for the most part, the people here that I've met and I've come to know, uh, for the most part are good people. Um of course, you know, you got those shit pumps and cock, you know, cockwombles that could probably do the world a service by disappearing, but you know, that's, becoming that's fertilizer, <laughs> right? You know, they could become fertilizer, but you know, it. <clears throat> you know, I've met some really great people here. Um, you know, yourself included. So it's it's, but I, just like you, man, it's it's, it's time for the change of venue, and you know, just time to start that next chapter. And I mean, I. I I can't wait to get it started, you know, and, yeah. and it's going to be real, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a, a, especially a lot of fun if, if you're able to relocate as well, which, you know, I'm being optimistic about, but you know, it, it'll, I, I think that not only the future for the show, but the future for us as individuals and going forward as friends, dude, it's, you know the the ceiling the, the ceiling's already been busted so i mean basically the, the limit is wherever we set it yeah but on that note 
I'm David Dickerman. I'm Johnny Skelton. And thank you for watching Psychos and Sociopath, Jeffrey Dahmer. Victory!